Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. One, two, three. They all come from the unknown north. Talent and drive and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49 parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up for these canucks, because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, we sure would miss them. The Canadian star system. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadian Star System, a podcast where we speak with some of Canada's most talented people and try to figure out what makes them so good and what makes Canada so bad at celebrating our own. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, and if you don't know me, well, you're not alone. With me is my producer, as always, who I've coerced into also being on air on this show, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Hello, Steve. What a pleasure. Isn't it? As uh, it is. as always. And, you know, the great thing about this show is that Canada's the kind of place where no matter how big a star and how much attention they have nationally and internationally, sometimes we can just contact them and they'll say, sure, I would love to come on and speak. And that's the case with today's guest who we'll reveal in just a few minutes. Yes, this is true. This is a not only one of Canada's national comedic treasures and I'd say national treasures in general. But mm-hmm. he's also the kind of person who probably because of his improv background will say yes all the time. <laughs> I don't think that there's anything I've asked him to do that he hasn't gone. All right. <laughs> well, we'll get into that further. Certainly. I'm sure we could. Find, maybe we'll find something today <laughs> where he puts his foot down and says, no, I have a new goal. What does it take to push Canada's nicest man <laughs> to be angry at you in public? You know what? I don't want to uh, I don't want to put this off. Too much further, other than to just remind everyone that's listening, wherever you're listening from, that Canada has more talent per capita. This is a fact, more talent per capita than uh, anywhere else. That's a study that I've conducted. 
uh, independently myself. And if you want to find it published anywhere, you cannot because it's not published. But the fact is, we have more talent in this country than than people know about. Absolutely true. And and I think that's an excellent segue into our first guest today. Not only is he uh, one of the funniest and loveliest humans I know, he is the star of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I'm going to say he is the star of Whose Line Is It Anyway? I know that it's an ensemble show, but come on. Colin is everyone's favorite. It's Colin Mockery, everyone. Yay, Mr. Colin Mockery. Oh, Diana's become my new favorite person. (laughs) You are so kind, sir. And you're coming to us from, I believe, the basement of of your home. Is that true? That is true. It's being converted into a studio. And when I say converted into a studio, I have a curtain behind me. (laughs) <laughs> what a conversion. Yeah. And some lights, but uh, yeah, there's a drum set there. There's books. A drum set? Who plays the drums? Yeah, that's a good kickoff question. My wife and my daughter, Deb and Kinley. Kinley started off as a drummer and then Deb got fascinated. She's very musical. So uh, she took it up. So you have two drummers in the house and a drum kit that's just there. Do you not do the skins yourself? Do the skins, I think is how they say it. I brought the drums down here so I could think. (laughs) (laughs) Are you in a soundproof room? Have you soundproofed your bus? No. No, No, you'll find out. (laughs) No, we had, uh, um, Kinley had moved out a little while ago and she had no place to put the drums. We we have them down here and we're hoping that they will be used again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe even today, who knows? Yeah, they're both very good. They're both very good drummers. They're both very musical. Maybe this is where we get Colin to say no by asking him to give us a drum solo. Wonder. Oh, no. no he's going to do it anyway. Oh. Yeah. No, that's not going to do it. Yeah. No, maybe we should be saying no to that. Oh, you guys turn quickly, I got to oh, say. Yeah. <laughs> she is. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about her, Mr. Mockery. She's she's great once she to get the guests on the show. And then once they're here, she's like, screw this person. So lovely in the intro. And then just turned. Which yeah, she no. realized who it actually was. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to start by going uh, back a little bit. I'm very curious about this. Everyone knows you, of course, from whose line is it anyway? Many of the earlier fans of your work would know you from Second City Live Productions and all your work there. And then, nicely sandwiched in between that, in a Canadian entertainment sandwich, is this hour has 22 minutes. Your time with this hour has 22 minutes. A great ensemble show that that Canadians know, and not everyone in in the world knows, but. Canadians know it well. Uh, did you enjoy your time on there? I think you might be the only person that's not from Newfoundland <laughs> Origins that yeah. was cast in that show. I, I did have a good time. I mean, it was scary because I was um, I was taking the place of Rick Mercer, right. who seemed very popular on the show for whatever reason. And <laughs> you know, they were a tight group. They'd been together at that point. I don't know how many years. And topical humor is not really what I would be known for. You know, in improv, you don't really do the sharp satirical jabs at politics other than, well, what an idiot. And that's it. <laughs> but I had been doing a, a, another show Rick was in called Made in, Made Made in Canada. Canada. Yeah. And Mark Farrell was the showrunner for that show also. And so he saw me on set and thought, oh, while he's here. So I <laughs> auditioned and got it. And my first week was 9/11. Oh my oh, goodness. Mercy. I didn't mercy. realize that. Yeah, so that was uh, that was an interesting time in trying to come up with comedy 
on a, sh- a fake news show. But I, so I, I learned a lot in that period. And, you know, Mary Walsh is an amazing writer and just a force of nature. Learned so much from her. Kathy and Greg were so supportive. So it was, it was a good time for me. It was uh, two years of flying back and forth from LA to um, Halifax. But that is that is the Canadian dream to fly back and forth from L.A. to Halifax or just uh, <laughs> to fly to L.A. And, and then back to anywhere in Canada at some point. Now, did you find it a challenge when you're doing your improv scenes? Obviously, you're creating characters all the time or character types all the time. Did you find it a different challenge to do impressions of of actual people on the show? Oh. Yes. And if you look back on my work of 22 minutes, that is painfully clear. (laughs) (laughs) I think Peter Mansbridge was basically what I did because I kind of look like him. So it was like, (laughs) I could have done an Elmer Fudd voice and they still would have gone, oh, no, it's Peter Mansbridge. (laughs) Who punched me, by the way. Okay. This is the, this show's just paid for itself. When did Peter Mansbridge punch you? I was doing something at the CBC studios and then someone punched me in the arm. And it was right after I'd done my, the, my first Mansbridge piece. And it was him going, eh. But then <laughs> since then, he uses it as a joke all the time when he's public speaking. He'll go, no, it's not Colin Mockery. It's me, Peter Mansbridge. <laughs> God bless him. And what was the, uh, I mean, it was a playful punch, but I'm curious uh, oh. as to how, does you know, he, he pack a pretty good punch? Peter he packs a good punch. It was playful, but there was some malice behind it. <laughs> just, a, just a titch of a warning. <laughs> exactly. And it seemed like there was more knuckles than should be on one hand. <laughs> <laughs> Not- <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. Peter Mansbridge has one extra knuckle. <laughs> One extra knuckle, one-on-one, old six-knuckles Mansbridge. Well, I, I don't want to start a rumor. Now, Second City, would you say that's where, where it all began for you, performance-wise, or does it go back even further than that? I would say it goes back, way back, in the last century, 1980, <laughs> when I started with Vancouver Theatre Sports. That's sort of where I sort of became known. Theatre Sports became this amazing beast within a year of it sort of starting. And it became this real cult thing. And then through that, we got to do productions. And improv was still uh, fairly unknown to the general public at that point. So everyone was kind of really excited about about it because it was this new thing they'd never seen before where they get to shout at uh, performers and then they'll just take it and make something magical one out of every 10 times. (laughs) (laughs) So it became, so that's where I kind of uh, got known through that sort of this underground comedian that only um, a, a small cult audience knew. But it, I, I learned a lot because it was a lot of great performers So whose skill sets were all so different from mine. So I learned a lot from working with them and watching them and learned how to work in an ensemble, which really helped once I got to Second City. And Ryan Stiles is from there as well. Is that correct? Or from Ryan there? Stiles, he was a stand-up at that point, whose main jokes were about Dolly Parton <laughs> and a zoo that only had a picture of a giraffe. <laughs> those, those were his act. And most of his act was basically him just like talking to the audience because that's where he was funny. And he was very young too. Like he was sneaking into punchlines in Vancouver when he was underage and doing stand up, right? Yeah. And for the longest time, 
I always got him and Boyd Banks uh, mixed up because mm. at that age, they looked exactly the same, except Ryan was taller. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even know that Ryan came from a, a stand-up background. Well, stand-up. Right. <laughs> They're air quotes. Sorry. It's air quotes. Dolly Parton and Giraffe. Everyone's got an origin story. Yes. Uh, now, when I first met you, you were sort you were already uh, a legend. I was doing some late night stand up shows at Second City, and you would mm-hmm. come in. Sometimes there'd be a, a poker game going on behind. Oh yeah. The stage as I as I was doing my show after all the other shows had happened, and you would come into that, and I thought to myself, "Wow, that's Colin Mockery, but he's still here." playing poker, trying to get the money from the other performers. Is it important to be a good gambler in Canadian entertainment, I guess is what I'm asking. Oh, God, yes. I think anytime <laughs> you, you do anything, you're gambling. I mean, it really is all a gamble. But th- that game had been going on for years. There would be times where, you know, Tony Rosato would be coming in with his ski equipment to pay off a debt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking. It would get... And there was a lot of drinking and stuff going on, too. There was one game that Ryan was playing and all you could see were his hands because he was on the floor. And luckily he's tall, so he could actually reach. He could just reach to get his drink. And someone, he'd go, put in a hundred bucks. <laughs> Felt bad. But I had to teach him a lesson. <laughs> now that was, that was at the second city building that was just down the street from the latest one that was demolished to become condos in downtown Toronto. And the stand-up club, the Yuck Yucks, that I'd done lots mm-hmm. of shows at on Richmond is being turned into condos. <laughs> when you see this as a performer, what do you think of all that? There's, it just seems like downtown Toronto in general and other cities as well, I guess, but we're in, I'm in Toronto speaking this. It seems like they're just eliminating any yeah. sort of cultural institution they can to have people living down there and staring at each other. It's sad, isn't it? When Second City moved from the old fire hall, it really was, I felt, especially the, the space it went to, which had no personality. It was just this big corporate building. But the fire hall had such a history. And on the wall, you know, there were quotes mm-hmm. written by, you know, people like, you know, John Candy and all the cast of SCTV and all the great people who have gone through there since. And there was a smell to the place, like a natural <laughs> smell of the flop sweat, of the success sweat over 30 years. And it had real character. Yeah, they, it always seems like the arts places are the first places to go, even though there's, in my mind, there's nothing more important to society than whether it's a stand-up, a, a concert hall, a sketch comedy place. They bring people together. They bring money to all of the businesses around that area. You know, like the distillery, I guess, has been the most recent example. You know, Soul Pepper sort of got things going there. I, I, it really irritates me that in 2021, the arts still don't get the respect it deserves because it really is so important. And especially this last year, I think we found how important it is to be able to watch something that will make us laugh and sing and dance and just forget what's going on for a half hour. I obviously agree with you 100%. And here in Canada, we seem to have a, a whole other challenge, which is that not only are the you know developers downtown, the general public not really respecting the arts, but the, the government, and we do have some government organizations that help. But as an example, I have uh, some friends that are, in, that are musicians in Germany, and at the outset of the pandemic, they immediately received their 
basically what their weekly earnings would be. No questions asked from the government because they in they're based in Berlin and they realize that the arts are a major part of this mm -hmm. of this society and we better take care of them. You do get some envy, I think, being from Canada where yes, we've got some organizations that help the arts but in by and large we are not supporting our professional uh, or sorry, our performing artists the way that that other oh, absolutely. countries from, do. Well, it seems nobody government producers networks they don't really support until yeah. they go somewhere else and and do well then it's like they're canadian then you become you can wear that mantle where here it's like well maybe right. we could have an american to play the the coroner's friend <laughs> yeah I, and i don't know what that why that is because i know due to your informal survey which i think <laughs> is true yeah. this country has amazing talent we have to and we have to force people to be aware of it. It was like when CanCon hit the music industry, they were forced to play Canadian music and people would go, oh, what? And then, you know, Joni Mitchell, Gordon Lightfoot, all the amazing artists that we have, and they become recognized throughout the world. Well, that's because we had to push them here first. And we don't do that with our actors, our playwrights, our dancers, whoever, podcasters. <laughs> I guess I'm podcasters. For you. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, sorry, go ahead, Diana. You, look, you just took an intake of breath that looked like you were going to say something. I did. I was going to segue the conversation into a completely different direction. Oh, okay. are we well, ready for that? Sure do. Yeah. I, I, oh, right? I think so. I think we've solved Canadian entertainment. Sure. Let's move on to sports. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to find out, Colin, because honestly, one of my favorite things when I'm chatting with other comedians is, you know, you have a couple of glasses of wine and then you start talking about the worst gigs that you've ever done. Your hell a gigs. Sorry, a just, couple. Diana means just seven. A, just a couple of bottles of the wine. You know, I think it's one of the things that's really fun about getting to a point where, you know, where you are in your career where, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time now your gigs are going to go great because you are so skilled at what you do. But uh, sometimes on the way up, there and then sometimes even when you are up there you have those mm -hmm. gigs that just go completely sideways do you have any memorable hell gigs yeah I, I, what i love is um it, they still happen all the time there's like no <laughs> brad sherwood and i were actually discussing having a coffee table book of our adventures it's <laughs> called keeping us humble because mm. every <laughs> there will always be something there was a show it was chip Eston from nashville and also whose line is it anyway Brad and I were doing a show. Uh, we were doing two shows, a college, in, in two different nights. The first night we did this college, it was one of those magical shows. Everything was one. It was like, yes, we are going to kill in Washington State. So we uh, we pull up, and this guy, who was the technical director, had gout. He actually. <laughs> Had his foot wrapped in a big bandage. And right away, I just had warning bells go off. <laughs> so he came up and said, oh, there's three of you. We went, uh, yeah. They said, oh, we only have two microphones. Can you hold, a, we have uh, one with a cord on it. Will that be a problem? It's like, well, well yeah, because we're not, we're not doing stand-up. We're, we're improvisers. So we had to figure out a way. One of us, as we were introducing a game, uh, another one would be taking the mic off of that person, putting it on them so we they'd be ready for the next scene. So we're in our um, dressing room, which was the handball court that they had covered with brown paper. <laughs> <laughs> Chip says, I'm just going to the bathroom. So we're sitting there and we hear 
well, we're very excited to have. Uh, we go, oh, so I, I run out and go, um, excuse me, is the show starting? And the guy goes, well, you knew it started at eight. I said, yeah, yeah, but usually, <laughs> I tell you, sometimes it doesn't always start at eight. And someone tells us it starts. He goes, well, it's starting now. And he goes, oh, and by the way, is it okay if we have interpreters on stage with you? <laughs> I said, um, if they're off to the side, it's fine. So I run to the bathroom. And I go, Chip, Chip, the show's starting. He goes, ah, funny, funny. I go, no, really. He goes, man, I'm taking a dump. I go, okay. <laughs> so I run out. And Brad and I are there. And we go, okay, well, we're going to have to. Well, yeah, we'll stall until uh, Chip comes. So we had to enter from the back of the cafeteria that we were playing that we had to set up ourselves <laughs> because they had all these giant tables with chairs. And I said, oh, are they having a meal while they're watching? He said, no, no, they just, you know, a place to put their Coke. And I said, well, you know, it really helps if the audience is together and they don't really need that. He goes, well, it was good enough for Wayne Brady. I went, oh. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Wayne Brady insisted on tables. <laughs> so we, Brad and I start running through the middle of the crowd. And the poor woman who's been up there for like five minutes already says, well, I guess, uh, I guess there's been uh, a problem and they're not. Oh, here they are. <laughs> that was your introduction. <laughs> that was our intro. So we go, we go off and hey, everybody. Hey. And then Chip runs through the thing. And so we go, okay, so we're going to play. And um, I go, who brought the set list? And Chip goes, be back in a second. <laughs> so oh, no. he runs through. We sort of, our heart rates get back to normal. We start doing a sound effects scene where two audience members will provide the sound effects as we're switching our mics. <laughs> then a fuse blows. Lights go out. <laughs> Except for the spotlights, which luckily the operators then put on the people doing the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> So Brad and I are acting <laughs> in darkness <laughs> until we subtly go, hey, the action's here. <laughs> so we get through. We, we head back. <laughs> We're just exhausted. And then the guy says, can you just sign these 50 posters? And it was 50 <laughs> posters of Brad, Chip, and I, the three of us on the poster. And I said, oh, um, I, how come you didn't know there were three of us? And he went, my leg. <laughs> <laughs> and limped out. So, oh, Colin, no. how long ago is that? That sounds like it's from the beginnings of your career, but it's like, no. Oh, no, no. That was uh, Whose Line Had Been On. I think it was between the Drew. It was right towards the end of the Drew years. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So all the entertainers that are listening to this, which might be all the people that are listening to this, is uh, <laughs> it, it never, it never, it never stops, does it? It doesn't it's get just better. The, and, no. <laughs> I think now the only uh, thing that, that ends up changing is that you as the performer can like laugh at it afterwards as being a hell gig and not like worry that it was the performance. You know, you're just like, oh, these things went wrong. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. I want to jump up now because you have adapted. Last time we spoke, by the way, was a, about a year ago when uh, pandemic things were, were just getting yeah. <laughs> just taking hold. No one knew how long it was going to go. We still don't, frankly, at the time we're talking now. But you've mm -hmm. segued now into the virtual world and you and you mm -hmm. and Brad have the Colin and Brad show that you do virtually that yeah. you found a real interesting way to incorporate graphics and things like that and, and tech into your show. But I, from what I understand, you didn't mastermind all this tech yourself. 
You're, oh God, no! <laughs> how do you get? You, a, you saw us before we started the podcast. <laughs> I, I did. I watched. I enjoyed watching you run up and down the stairs of your home several no. times, trying to find the right wires. But uh, we have a tech team. I'm in uh, Toronto. Brad is in Las Vegas. Our tech team is in uh, New York, and they came up with this using a platform in addition to Zoom. That it looks like Brad and I are in the same room. We can go into people's living rooms and talk to them and get suggestions from them. We can have them in our scenes. So it's been. Um, an interesting, I mean, you know, it's never going to take the place of live performance, but it's really been close. And we've found a way to make the technology our friend rather than have it something that limits us. We found a way to make it so that it actually freed us in a lot of ways. And we found, we had this real creative outburst. We don't do anything in this show that we do in our stage show, mainly because mm -hmm. when you do it on screen, people's attention span immediately shrinks yeah. to nothing. So everything has to be faster. So it's more like an improvised sketch comedy, which has been a lot of fun to do. I saw one of the shows just before New Year's and it was fantastic. I was blown away by what you guys were able to do with tech and with audience participation. And I didn't miss Did not hearing. What's that? Did you pay? You know what? My dad oh, bought me a here. ticket because oh, he's a huge geez. fan of yours. Well, I would have gotten you guys in. At I least know. there was at least somebody paid. <laughs> This is the story of Canadians supporting each other. And then they're like, I saw your show. You shouldn't have paid for a ticket. I wanted yeah. to pay for it. <laughs> I got a, a, a text from Ryan Stiles saying, hey, can you get me a ticket? It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> let me? Let me open with my bit about Dolly Parton. <laughs> 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 I will. I will ask you this quickly, and then we're gonna we're gonna get on to our uh, our other features that you're gonna still be on here with. But you're introducing us to them. Do you think? Your background in improv has helped you deal with the pandemic because you have to roll with the flow. We talked about it at the beginning. You you have to take what you're dealt. Do you, mm -hmm. do you think everyone can learn a little bit from improv on how to deal with tough situations like we're I in? I think so. I mean, I, I hate telling people that I, this has been fine. I, I mean, I've <laughs> learned I, I don't really like people. So in right. that way, good to fine. know. Good social distance. This is the longest I've been home in 18 years. So yeah. it's been great being home with Deb and Kinley. And I always thought before this happened, there's no way I could ever retire. I always have to, I'd be going crazy. But I found during this, I found a way to relax and, and not go insane, which is, has been very good for me. And a lot of it has been, like you said, just accepting, well, I'm not going to be touring for at least a year. I yeah. got to find something to do, find different interests, which I haven't yet, but you know, <laughs> it's still early in the pandemic. It's still There's early. a drum set right beside you, Colin. And now a word from our sponsors. Oh, hi, Diana. Have you ever worn denim pants? You mean jeans? Yeah, I guess that's what kids are calling them. Have you ever worn jeans? Yeah, Steve, I'm a person, so I've worn jeans. Right, right. And how many rips and tears have those jeans typically had in them? I don't know, ideally none. Wrong, wrong, Diana. These days, the worth, the sexiness of so-called jeans is based entirely on how many rips and tears they have in them. One knee ripped, pretty good. Both knees ripped, better. Get me some of those jeans. Both knees and the arse end ripped out, 
Now we're talking. Yeah, we're talking, but what are we talking about? We're talking about previously enjoyed jeans, man. PEJs, and not just any PEJs. I'm proud to put my name on Patterson's previously enjoyed jeans, PPEJs. Lots of jean designers claim to strategically rip their jeans for that extra level of cool that comes from giant holes in your pants, but mine are the only ones that were actually worn out over decades of wear by me. Both knees, the arse, the pockets where I tried to stuff in my oversized cell phones over the years. It's all bursting at the seams and ready for new owners. Right, but who in their right mind is going to buy your old pants? Oh, I don't know, Diana. How about old people with drum sets in their basement that they don't even know how to play them? So Colin Mockery. Who's Colin Mockery? He's our guest on the podcast today. Whose line is it anyway? Oh, that's it. I'm more of a Ryan Stiles guy myself. Steve, seriously, who is going to buy this product? It's ridiculous. Oh, how about cool kids, Diana, who want to show a little skin but haven't heard of shorts? Young millenniums. I think you mean millennials. Okay, boomhead. I'm Gen X. We're the same age. Well, now we can wear the same jeans, Diana. Steve Patterson's previously enjoyed jeans, babies. Huge rips for huge prices. Available now for more than full price, but if you use the password STAR SYSTEM, you can get them for 10% more than that. That doesn't make any sense. You don't make any sense. Besides, I'm not trying to make sense. I'm trying to make dollars, yo. We can make money out of this. Okay, can we please get back to the show? You get back to the show. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Now back to our podcast, Already in Progress. Oh, I can't even talk. Like, my wife has just gone 
berserk during this time, opening up these new skill windows. Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, well, it is now. If Colin Mockery says it, it's a thing. So, yeah. So it's been, it's been good learning to accept and rolling with the punches and finding ways to, to have fun. Uh, w- fun. Well, yeah, we, we've had a lot of laughs. We have game nights. We've been gardening. <laughs> in, the, in the Canadian winter, you've been gardening? <laughs> it's mostly Deb. Sometimes I help her pick up the poo. That's and even that, not really. Oh my God! I hope you have dogs. Please tell me <laughs> you have dogs. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah you just you're just planting shit trees around the yard. That's gardening. <laughs> I can do that. Well, it's good for the environment. We're speaking a lot about your your wife. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about her as you introduce our feature guest today? Yes, uh, she is a lovely person. First of all, uh, she hired me for Second City many years ago. It was a tough audition. The end, she said it was between you and the cute guy. And <laughs> I got it. And then shortly after that, we fell in love, got married. And when we were first together, she was the queen of animation and voice work. And I uh, was doing a lot of sketch. And then when we had Kinley, whose line was happening for me? And she said, you know what, I won't, I'm going to step back. I'm going to concentrate on Kinley and making sure she has a good upbringing and feels secure. And I thought that was amazing. And I also thought, looking back, oh, I don't know how to put this. I, I, I feel that she could have had a break at that time, but chose family over career, which I, I totally respect. And I can't honestly say I would have done the same thing. But she is incredibly talented. She's actor nominated, comedy award winner. She's writing. Um, and she's the funniest person in our household. And uh, she is the lovely Deb McGrath. Hello, everyone. Did you hear that beautiful tribute that Colin just did for you? That was I, unscripted, I too. Yes, I, I loved it. I don't know if the cute guy would have done nearly as good a job. So I'm glad that uh, Colin was the one introducing me. Did the cute guy go on to do anything memorable? Well, the cute guy came back and auditioned again. And when I said cute guy, in my defense, Your Honor, he was stereotype cute. This one's adorable. He was adorable. But this guy looked more like, I don't know, Chip Eston, I would say. He was like a chisel. Oh, oh, uh, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, Eston was one of your TV boyfriends. He is one of my TV boyfriends. But he came back to audition and honest to God, stunk the place out. Oh, no. It was horrible. That's so, it's so unattractive, isn't it, Deb? It oh, is. he all of a sudden became the, you know, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Because <laughs> he wasn't funny. His timing was off. It was like, ew. It is tougher for us handsome guys to do comedy. I agree. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Deb, you know, it's so it's such a pleasure to speak with you. The last time I saw you and Colin together, we uh, I had been asked and you guys were there at Scrabble Scrabble with the Stars. With the stars Remember yeah. that little fundraiser? Yeah. And yeah. it was the greatest. First of all, it was I I got to speak with you guys a lot that evening, which was which was the highlight for me. My favorite part, it's a perfect microcosm of Canadian entertainment in general because Everyone just comes up the elevator together, whether you're a star or an audience member, and you get to the top and there's literally a person there with a keyboard going, are you a star? Yeah, exactly. That's Uh, exactly true. 
<laughs> are you a star or are you yeah. just somebody? Yeah, because you oh get the God. stars get this room and you get yeah. waters and yeah. the other people yeah. have to drink tap water. Oh, oh hon, you should tell about our last gig, our intro. What? Oh, God. So we just did a corporate and uh, downstairs in the, the uh, converted basement, the studio, yeah. as we like to call it. And uh, the woman said, um, introducing, and we have very special guests tonight, we have Colin Mokur, Colin uh, uh, Ma- Makiki, Colin Makaraka. No, it was, and Colin turns to me and goes, big fan. She's a big fan. And the thing is, she ended on Makiki, and then I think she just thought, screw it. I'm not trying another one. And just uh, left it. Deborah McGrath and Colin Makiki. I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't hate it. Colin McKeeke sounds a, sounds a little bit more ethnic, a little bit, you know? Colin oh, McKeeke. yeah, you're right. A little diversity. It does, it's true, a little diversity. Little diversity. Mm, note to Go self. Go ahead, Diana, you look, like you, you look like you're warming up for something again. I was just going to say, I think it was so lovely how Colin introduced you there as well, because I didn't know that story that, that you know, your career popping, taken off. Uh, you know, hot in the animation world. And then to take that step back and let Colin have the spotlight. I just think it's so lovely that when we asked Colin to do the show and, and I said, who would you like to shine the spotlight on that the rest of the world and Canada should know more about that he made it about his family? And it just, I just think that's so beautiful. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's making me puked guy. a bit, to be honest. <laughs> Deborah, we, we've discussed this. All right. We've discussed this ad nauseum, how respected Colin is in the industry, not just for being an incredible performer, but for the, the kind of man that he is. That's well documented. Can we get some of the other side that the, the, that the world doesn't get to see? Like Colin at home. He's been at home a lot now. What when is, is he a real arsehole sometimes? What's how where's the bad uh, Colin Makiki? Where how do we get to that? <laughs> well, as part of the Makiki family, <laughs> I can tell you for a fact there is no bad Colin. There's God a there is a Colin that doesn't go over there, Makri. Colin that isn't the cupboard where that li- lives, Makri. But at home he. Like he's become a handyman. Really? He he cooks every meal we eat. Wow. He does all the grocery shopping, all the laundry. Like what? and he's yeah, starting fun. to look a little better now, aren't I? Oh. And <laughs> when he's going, it's always about what can I do for you, dear? What can how can I help you out? Not kidding. I would like to have a wisecrack here, but I don't. He's like, and even when he does not shut the closet door or drop something on the floor and not pick it up. I realized, number one, he can't squat. Those days are gone. And number two, (laughs) number two. I was hoping to keep that secret a little longer. Yeah. He does everything for me. So I just pick it up and move on. Oh, my God. He's a doll. The squat. Oh, that's so sad. I know. Oh, it's been a while. He's he's made his peace. I need a couple minutes because now I can only visualize Colin squatting and I don't want to. I want to cleanse. I want to cleanse. Especially because of what he's doing in the backyard. <laughs> he called that gardening earlier. He's, yeah, just, he, he's just squatting. I had a good chuckle when he talked about the gardening. I don't yeah, think I don't he do even it. really realizes. And he doesn't pick up the poo, but I don't ask him to. I'd rather pick up, and it is dog poo, just so we're not <laughs> misunderstood. And we have two dogs, and they're busy. Um, I'm glad he picks up the, I pick up the poo because he does so much that I got to do some stuff. Uh, you, you two are, I feel the love coming off you guys through a screen, which is, uh, which is rare. Now, 
you perform together as well. It's one yeah. thing to work together, husband and wife, in you know a job that you know one person's uh, out selling something, the other's doing administration or something. Yeah. My wife's my manager, so I go do the shows. She takes care of everything else. Oh, but that's you, great! You two actually perform with each other. How difficult yeah. is that? It's not. He has to endure me talking about the hotel for about 15 minutes. And after I've gotten over it, we <laughs> laugh and we have a good time. Uh, we really enjoy it. When I first started doing the Colin and Deb One Couple show with him, I was nervous because I wasn't Brad and that I wasn't doing it all the time. So at the beginning, we were kind of talking over each other. We, we didn't have our rhythm. And then it really dawned on me be who you are. And so we made it into an improv show that everything relates to being a couple. Everything relates to, and uh, we really love it. We have a lot of fun and we enjoy traveling together. Uh, he's the boss of the travel. If he says we have to be up at five, we're up at five because he has ran into every travel circumstance. So I agreed very early on. We get there. We're in the lounge. At least we're there. Now, you guys, if I understand it correctly, and Diana can, or anyone can correct me, you have a so you have a virtual show as well. Uh, so Colin has the virtual show with with Brad, and then this is a different show. One the one couple show. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. And is it you do a, a corporate version of it as well as the general public version? Is that correct? Well, it's kind of hard. We've done what have we done, dear? Like a some more corporates than, yeah, they've all been corporates, actually. We haven't okay. done a public show. A virtual, yeah. 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 And, you know, we adapt. We don't have the the backdrops. Diane, I know you saw the Colin and Brad show, so, you know, we're just right where Colin is in front of a big old green screen with nothing exciting happening. So we, um, and we do a little banter. You're not selling the show. We do a little banter. <laughs> I think you guys should put Colin in charge of marketing too, Dad. No offense. But. <laughs> we do a little banter. We talk about how it's going in the COVID. Yeah, and they've been going really well, but we make it our own because- you know, I'm not Brad. Colin mentioned that you have really exploded creatively in the last year. Can oh, you yes. tell us a little bit about some of the, I understand you've written a short film. I've written a short film that is going to be produced uh, called Junior's Giant. And our lovely daughter will be uh, featured. She will be uh, the co-star in it. And I'm taking singing lessons. I'm taking dance classes. I'm taking painting classes, and I'm taking watercolor studies. I'm writing a book of my memoirs, my my youth, up until the point where I meet Colin. Right. And then and, the, youth, uh, the youth part's over at that point once you meet Colin. It was Colin. dead and yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. No, wow. quickly, <laughs> too. Like those people that see something and they go gray instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I am busy, 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 busy. And I'm on Actor Council and Actor National Council and a bunch of subcommittees. So we're Zooming fools and a lot of, of course, as you can imagine, emergency meetings to sort out uh, all these brilliant artists who are struggling. I'm loving it. I'll be honest with you. I said to someone the other day, it's going to be harder for me to come back out than it was to go in. Way harder. I think that I, I've, I've heard that sentiment from uh, a few people. And including, you know, I'm down the street from my house now, but I've done quite a few shows from here. And then you're, you're, you're 
walk three minutes home where you would have yeah. flown across the country before or something. So yeah, I get that. I get that there are positive parts to it. I find it really interesting. You know, comedians stand up certainly, and I all comics, I think we, these corporates, corporates is kind of the dirty C word in comedy. Like, like yeah. it, instead of the other yeah. dirty C word, corporates, yeah. comedians don't want to talk about doing corporate shows, but I do a lot of them. And they're a really important part of, of the puzzle of making a living for me. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know that the whole world knows that, but in Canada sp- specifically, if you want to make a living as an artist, you, you better figure out how to do some, some corporate work. They often have bigger budgets than, than the non-corporate shows, right? They I mean, mostly do. Let's be honest. Yeah, they budgets, ju- that's yeah. true. That's true. I wrote the Canadian Screen Awards one year and I'm like, God, I wish, I mean, it's a nice set, but it doesn't look like the Manulife thing I did the yeah. other day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could you just, could you guys talk about that a little bit? How you shouldn't feel the shame in, in doing the corporate shows because you're bringing your comedy to it. There's a different kind of challenge to it, but I think it's just as important. I do, too. I mean, I think in the early days, in the 80s, when we were doing them constantly, from cruise ships to Mexico to this to that, there was a thing because we were up and coming. You didn't want to be, you know, when people decide they're not going to do commercials anymore because they're doing, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it's come around because everyone, like big stars do corporates. And I think there's a different feeling about it now. Because people suddenly realized you made what to do that. (laughs) And it's, we're still acting. And sometimes it sharpens the old, uh, the old reserve. I I mean, they are, they can be the hardest gigs ever. I always say a day without laughter is a corporate. (laughs) (laughs) He does say that. There are times where, you know, they just want to get their awards or they're just drunk. We were. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, that one. What? I was no, I was just thinking the 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 most famous one in my mind was, and now we'll have a moment's silence and a prayer for the people lost in the Holocaust. Literally oh, the prayer gosh. ended. Oh no, the second city. Oh, it was my God. no, I could have. Colin McCockey was pretty close. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, dear. What were you going to say about corporate? I interrupted you. I was just thinking about, I was thinking the word, well, the one where I was, okay, I'm going to name drop here. I was there to introduce Tony Bennett. Yeah. Oh, God love us. Oh, boy. And Tony Bennett was, people were ignoring him and just talking. Oh, no, no, no. They were. It's horrible. It was horrible. It was the worst. Where was it? You got it. You got a name. It was was Montreal. Montreal. It was for Laval. It was the night Justin met Sophie. They met at that event. And and my wife made him cry. I made him cry. You made Justin Trudeau cry? I made him ball his eyes out. Two minutes of meeting him. How did you do it? That's what I do. It's what I do. Because I walked up to him and I told him a story about going to his father's funeral, uninvited, I might add, and um, (laughs) that we were standing outside. We had already lined up for hours, nuns cutting in front of us. Oh, it was a sordid affair. And we go up, we'd see the coffin, do whatever, and then go down and you sign the book. And so I was saying the next morning we wanted to come off and see him away as the coffin left. So we're out there and there's this lady, this little Jamaican lady. And when I say little, you got to know she was four, three, maybe (laughs) if she was an inch and she's there. We've all got 
roses, red roses in our lapels, and she's holding a daisy up. And I said to her, oh, miss, would you like, my friend and I got there really early and we're standing up on a brick wall. I said, you come up here with us. I want you to be able to see. And she said to me, I don't need to see. I am here for him and I'm here because of him. Like the idea that she wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Pierre Trudeau. And I told him that and he's bawling. But the best was Colin talking to someone and then turning around. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, she's made a It was like less than a minute. It was like, (laughs) this is my wife. I talked to someone, turned back and it was like, they're... <laughs> I, I didn't know where you were going. I thought you made him cry with something political. He oh, said, "Like, no. I, I actually yeah. like Stephen Harper better." I, 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 I don't know how you. I don't know how I thought you made him cry, but that's no, way those better. words would never come out of my mouth. No, and I knew that it was horrible. Tony Bennett finally, like, we were at a table. We're listening, and so were like five tables around us. But it was all the glitterati of. Montreal, their richy riches. And Justin, at one point, the hometown boy was singing um, uh, Gino Benelli. They weren't even listening to him. So Justin goes backstage to apologize to Gino Benelli, and he slaps his hand. Oh, it was a night of Oh, and so slaps his hand up. So he goes to talk to the fancies. And the fancies said, we paid our money. We're going to do what we we want. And then the show stops. Because Tony Bennett turns to everyone and says, I have been coming to this country. I thought, oh, no, no, no. Actually, what I was thinking, thank God it's not Toronto. Thank God it's not Toronto. (laughs) But he said, I've been coming to this country since I was a young man. I have never, ever been met with this. And if you want to ignore me, that's fine. But to ignore these musicians, these beautiful musicians. It was horrible. And that was after three warnings, you know, starting with the old, do you mind if I sing when you talk? And then getting angry. It was a nightmare. I felt so bad for him. This is, you know, I'm glad that we're touching on this. And then we're going to get to our third feature. We have a bonus feature guest today, but this is, I've never witnessed anything quite like that, but I have hosted the Canadian Screen Award Industry Nights a couple times. If if there's any room that you think should have respect for the host, it's a room full of entertainers. And even there, there just isn't isn't the respect. And these aren't the corporates I'm talking about, but we're talking about, you know, disrespect to the arts. And if you can't even get people who have paid thousands of dollars for a ticket to see Tony Bennett to listen, you know, what, what chance do any of us have? So we just, we just keep plowing away at it, but those are uh, incredible stories. And I'm glad that was in Montreal and not Toronto as well, because now we can throw that out there. It's not, it's not called asshole in Montreal. It's (laughs) Uh, there you go. A little bit of a little bit of bilingualism for you. Now, Deb, we've got a, we have, this is a total bonus because we usually have two guests, but today we have three guests Three Canadian entertainers on the show. Would you do us the honor of introducing our third guest? Absolutely. Uh, This guest is our beautiful daughter, Kinley, and she is an actress. Uh, She is a filmmaker. She is, as you heard before, drummer. And I must preface this by saying, I play the drums. I am not a drummer. Just want (laughs) to set that out there. I'm chinkatikong, chinkatikong. She's bumpatikong. So anyway, Kinley uh, went 
to, to school for film school, but didn't end up going into that, but has come into her own as an actress. She is the nicest human being I know. And we have been lucky enough to live with her during COVID. She's five minutes from moving out, not even kidding. And uh, <laughs> so please welcome our beautiful daughter, Kinley J. Mockery. Hi, everybody. Hi, Kinley. Hello. Thank you so much for being on this show with us. And I should point out, people can't see this. It's an audio podcast. But I love that the three of you are coming to us from different parts of the same house. Yeah, uh, a different uh, floor of uh, the house, each of us. <laughs> That's right. Is it important to keep levels with your family? I guess would be my first. Does everyone have their own level? Is that important? I think levels are always important in any art form. <laughs> I like that you have stuffed Colin in the basement. I have to say, Colin is coming to us from the bunker. I mean, he's he's made a little home for himself down there. He's really he's really got a, a, a good setup, wouldn't you say? I'm the foundation of the family. Oh, well Nicely spun. Yes. Well played. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the... if only you had a rim shot nearby. Oh, oh yes. He's got his own. Uh, there's a blanket on it. <laughs> we should have planned if, it better. If that isn't a metaphor for the Canadian star system That's in right. general. That's right. We got, a, we, blanket we on got it. a drum, but it's got a blanket on it. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Kinley, I guess first question right out of the gate. What is it like to have two parents in Canadian show business and you're still going into show business? Bless you. <laughs> yeah, that that's funny. I mean, it never really dissuaded me for a couple of reasons. One, because my parents were always very supportive of my creative outlets, whatever they were. I think just knowing that they'd gone through a system and they were ready to be there for me. But I think I like to think they also saw something in me of whatever I was doing. And yeah, it does look to be um, a difficult path sometimes. But it's just it's something that just lives within me. And I knew there wasn't really um, any other choice. So it just felt right to follow through. And I knew that it was good to have. It, it was a blessing to have parents who are well immersed in the arts, both as entertainers themselves, but also people who are passionate about it in general. And I mean, they would be able to guide you towards some of the pitfalls that you're going to to face in Canadian entertainment. Sure. In general, anyway, which yes. we've talked about it a little bit, but yes. Now, in your experience, mm -hmm. are things getting are things getting a little bit better in in Canadian entertainment in terms of uh, opportunities? You know the uh, the truth is, I I haven't been in it myself long enough to to properly answer that question. Yes, mom, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say yes. I think it is regards diversity. I think we're really seeing it swing, not only in a BIPOC category, but LGBTQS+. I think we're seeing people reaching out, putting diverse people in the roles, not featuring as diverse, but just being there. I think this is a big surge, and we're about to see a huge change. Yeah, I think she's come into it at the right time. It, it does. It does seem, spe speaking purely as as someone who's transgender, it does seem to be a better situation in that roles that I'm I'm being sent to put out uh, that, may, that I'm being put up for aren't you know procedurals and things where you know I'm playing like a sex worker or uh, someone who's been killed in some sort of violent trans related crime. So there does seem to be more of a diversity of role. 
and this is all based on just what I've heard of trans actors who have been working for longer. It, it, they, the the opportunities and the types of roles uh, seem to be opening up more. So that's uh, definitely steps in the right direction for sure. And and I know that the the whole your whole family has been advocates, of course, of equal rights for everyone in mm-hmm. acting, especially the trans community. So yes. how how important is that to have? I don't care whether you're in show business or another industry, but parents who are obviously so, as supportive as as yours are. It, it's tremendously important to to know that the people who the people that raised you and loved you and nurtured you have have your back no matter what. I mean, of of course, there's there there aren't really words that can describe how how meaningful and how important and how grateful I am, especially in a world that sadly that is not always the case for for people uh in my situation so i i am eternally grateful and glad that they are putting up the putting up the fight i asked your mom this obviously earlier and uh it didn't go the way that i wanted to so i'm gonna ask you <laughs> are there times that you can remember where colin was a real arsehole i would oh. just if there's just one if there's just one time you could name because i'm i'm sick of the nice stories i really am i i tried to ask a different way and deborah was like actually he makes pasta from scratch i mean is there something is you there are something? just you're just so desperate to smear him aren't you please i want something uh i'm giving it a good thought for you but the, the, <laughs> you know that the truth is i'm sorry i i am coming up dry i can't i can't think of anything sometimes the dad jokes get to you oh sure <laughs> oh, yeah boy you didn't even think about that you had right for it. i mean like, listen you know it's the case <laughs> but as as dads go yeah. you have you know proven literally one of the funniest dads in the world so i'm a dad i've got young daughters now and they will you know, roll their eyes and I will have to say to them, hey, hey, sarcasm built this house. All right. So give, uh, <laughs> give me a little sugar here. So uh, I, is it a struggle? Is it a struggle? Because you have a very funny household. Is there a struggle over who's the funniest in the household ever? <laughs> oh, that's that's for no me. One's gonna answer? Um, uh, well, I, I I thought someone else might try to answer, but they didn't. So. I, I think that alone probably answers your question. No, I don't. I don't really get it. I don't really get a sense of. Co- I also just these two are the funniest people. Some of the funniest people I know. So like, it's it's no question. They're they're the veterans, and I am the the uh, amateur. But she's coming up fast. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, we do have a lot of um, you know. I'll start with a dad joke and then it will just escalate with both of them jumping in and then making me reconsider my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm watching my own my own life unfold before my eyes here. But she Kinley was always our biggest fan. Like she never we never got the and a lot of our other friends talk about the eye roll thing. Never with her. She'd watch our stuff over and over, quote it laugh about it after we do something you were so funny in that you were and so i thought well if she thinks that she literally <laughs> yesterday there wasn't anything that spawned it i was just like i thought of things that both of you have been i did you know youtube search of both your names and went back and watched some stuff what did I you watch it. so this pandemic is supposed <laughs> to be over soon. <laughs> so I, I watched uh, both of your episodes of The Casting Room, which are both great. Oh, right. Re- yeah, yeah, really yeah, funny. Ca- casting fun. Room is a um, 
is a show uh, that was created by Stephanie Gorin. Yeah, Stephanie and, oh, yeah. Naomi. and Naomi Sneakus. Yeah. Oh, Naomi Sneakus. Yeah. yeah. And they do sort of videos of basically what not to do in an audition. And they have Canadian actors and talent come in basically playing versions of themselves where they're doing something incorrect in an audition. For um, my dad's one, it was coming in and uh, auditioning for a role much younger than him. <laughs> and which is which is super funny wasn't that funny uh, yeah. which which ends with him leaving which ends with him leaving the room swinging his arm up in the air and going bang da bong bitches sorry can i swear on this i'm so sorry <laughs> yes it's a it's a podcast thank god someone finally did yes <laughs> and then with my mom's it was do, doing take after take constantly asking for takes that one's also super funny like asking for another could i just i'm gonna tweak that yeah out. Wearing a wearing a big <laughs> That's a, that was a funny yeah. show. Now, and this is what Canadians have to do. We have to create our own opportunities with shows that are sometimes a little peek into the industry, like Made in Canada was, Colin, that Rick that Rick did. Mm-hmm. Uh, like so many things in Canada are we we are great at making fun of ourselves. We don't really need others to do it, but we yeah. <laughs> we do it for ourselves anyway. Maybe that's part of the problem as to why our industry doesn't get the respect it deserves sometimes because we're always we had the Canadian Comedy Awards and the and the first thing they wanted to call them was you know the stand up category was a pretty funny stand up was that was supposed to be the best yeah. stand up of the year because the yeah. people pretty funny <laughs> yeah. pretty funny like I'm like can we at least celebrate ourselves for real to ourselves like in our own industry that we're not just yeah. oh I'm sorry I'm winning it yeah I know I know it's so sad. Now, listen, we we joked about this a little bit before the interview started today when uh, and I I wish everyone here, this is an audio podcast. I wish you got to see the start of this interview before things started rolling. Colin Mockery ran up and down the stairs seven or eight times uh, in between the uh, levels of the home to try to get the correct audio equipment. And I think that could be a show. It got me to thinking, you know, right now is the time we're recording this. Canada's looking for a new governor general. Colin, you've got a lot of profile. What do you think? Could could you make a run for Governor General of Canada? And then this then I'd be looking at a dignitary family. We get you guys a, another home and you can use this one just for recording stuff. I think actually, Deb, you'd be better at it. OK, since she has a relationship with the Queen. Yes, I do have a solid relationship. with the Queen. <laughs> yeah. I've been I've met her twice. My and God, Philip and Philip we met. Well, hon, tell the story, though. What? You oh, yeah. Your first so. Meeting. Colin was having a knee operation and I was supposed to go on a girl's weekend. And I said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving you here alone. I'll get the dinner and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, I'm not going to put you in that position. So I canceled my girl's weekend. Then his agent phones to say you're being presented to the queen at Rideau Hall in Ottawa. And I was, we're going. And so he, <laughs> he, um, you know, stepped it up for me and, and his agent was going to get him a wheelchair or a walker, but he was able to hobble along. So we're in the thing being presented and Her Majesty comes toward us. Let, me, set, let me just set this up for a second. We all get our page. Who yes. Is really our, um, what do they call them in showbiz? <laughs> You know, the person who's assistant, your wrangler. Wrangler, wrangler, yeah. Okay, good, yeah. So, and of course, within three minutes, this woman will do anything for Deb. She just (laughs) is falling in love with her, knows that she loves the queen more than anything. So they start walking around and she literally threw herself in the path of the queen. Yeah, because you're being, you're all there, but they have certain points where they will present someone. So she threw herself, so... 
Her Majesty comes over to us, meets Colin, Harper's with them explaining who Colin is to her, blah, 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 and then meets me. And the page says, and Deborah is a longtime supporter of the royal family. And I went, I love it, you. (laughs) And then I just did this, just hung my head. Just hung my head. I love it, you. And she didn't even try to. Didn't respond. Just so. kept a walking. <laughs> I love it. Banga, 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 bitches. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. don't think I could have asked for a better way to wrap up a, an episode with uh, Canada's, one of Canada's first families of entertainment, I would say. I learned a lot today. Let's all keep supporting each other and making sure that Canadian talent is recognized worldwide. Thank you so much for joining us, Deborah. Kinley, and of course, Colin Makiki. <laughs> Good luck with the with the, the touring show, Colin Makiki and the Thank Coconuts. you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. We love it, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks to the dog, too. Thank you, doggy. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at Canadian Star Pod and at Apostrophe Pod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture Ephemer Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. So give it up to these good because I self-promotion sucks. And if they went away, sure would miss Canadian Star System. We have tons of laughs. I, I, I'm sorry. There's a train going by my office. Sorry. I thought I was breathing funny. I was starting to panic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, everyone. This is, that's what makes this show Canadian. This is uh, (laughs) taped right beside a train track. How close is it? It's as close as Elwood Blues lived to the train track. That's how close. I'm sorry, Deborah. I apologize. Should have muted myself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.